Well, hello everybody. So we're doing these new bite-sized, bite-sized? Or is that just pint-sized because it's me talking nonsense? Bite-sized podcasts for our channel and we've got Matt Beard on today. Hello, good afternoon, morning, evening, depending on time, I guess. Yeah, it depends time, date, whenever you listen to it, but we appreciate it. So thanks very much. Yeah, I was going to say that. That does make sense. It doesn't really, you can't really time it and say good morning, good evening or good night because... Nobody's listening to it live. It's actually when it goes out and they download and play it. So it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. That's the awesome thing with podcasts, isn't it? If, if you find that we do the whole AS, was it ASM or whatever that puts you to sleep, lip smacking and all that, yeah, if we put you to sleep at night, that's awesome as well. But what we're doing now is biting into Matt Beard's time. So Matt, how are you this evening? What's happening? I am good. I am looking forward to the weekend. It's been a fun week and it's time to have a bit of downtime at the weekend. So it's a nice way to shut down. Yeah, Easter weekend in the UK, we generally get four days off, Friday through to Monday off, mm-hmm. which is nice, let's be honest. I will not comment on that in the slightest. Well, I was kind of told to take the time off, to be fair. <laughs> I wasn't planning to, but it's down down for me means no billable time. But do you know what? It was, as Matt said, it's a good work-life balance and definitely need it right now has been hectic. Mm-hmm. Are you off for the couple of days as well then, Matt? I am indeed. I have no specific plans. I mean, the height of my plans probably is wallpapering um, and the football, so that's about the height of my plans, but sometimes it's nice to escape the tech in it. Hey, I don't know if I'd rather be working on that one, to be fair, Matt. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's high time without a bit. It's looking <laughs> after the, uh, the two-year-old, so it's one fighting fires and fires. Watching Liverpool is almost like putting up wallpaper or watching paint dry. So, I mean, I don't know what I'd prefer more. This might be a bite-sized podcast, but I'm not sure I'm going to bite to those. Nice. <sighs> nice. Oh, we've got more, don't worry. I have got a list. <laughs> <laughs> so, where have you been up to? What's been happening and work for yourself then, Matt? Um, nothing, just constant. Um, it's interesting because as an ISV, I sort of, my day-to-day, I sort of not do the same thing but have a very strong understanding of the same sort of area of people so it's just been a case of talking to people building stuff up helping people out and just yeah busy times in work we've not been back from the summit amsterdam so it's all so for anyone who doesn't know who you are do you want to just give them a wee overview of who you are what you do where you work that sort of thing uh i can do that so yeah so i am matt beard um in my Nine to half past five career. I am the uh, team leader. I'm the development team leader at Data8. Um, in charge of everything we build and try and help the development team keep all the products moving and doing that sort of stuff. So at Data8, it's data quality. So it's such a wide thing that I will spend forever talking about. But checking data is real. Checking it's valid. Checking that um, yeah, emails are correct. Telephones are correct addresses are correct all that sort of stuff as well as duplicate so that sort of stuff so my day-to-day stuff is looking at tens of thousands of millions of records and working with people to try and oh, so get mass the money data. out of it yeah mass data validation and clearing and stuff like that isn't it yeah master data management and validation and that sort of stuff so that's my nine to half five um my outside of work stuff is being in the community building stuff helping people out do other stuff um and playing the Xbox is probably the height of my outside of work life as well. 
Xbox is an interesting one. I've seen that kicking about quite a bit recent, not just for yourself, but there seems to have been a whole thing in the last few days about gamer tag chat and stuff. I'm not quite willing to put mine out there. I'm definitely needing to change my gamer tag before I start publicising that one, just because it is so bad. I actually, it's that bad that I can memorise it without even being on my Xbox. Yeah, it's terrible. It was just a random one that flung out. But anyway, yeah, that's interesting. A little question about kind of the work, what you do day to day. So do you do the development side of things or are you doing like algorithms on how the data should look and feel or are you sitting line by line looking at people's addresses and phone numbers? Um, so, yeah, so not the last bit. Um, we build the tools that do it in a batch environment much quicker than any human ever can. Um my job role has changed like recently. So the last few years I've been sort of the person and one of the team that sits and types all the code out and builds the tools we use. Um, it's now extended a bit more to helping other people do that and also being a sort of a client facing person to that to help people understand how to use our tools, how our tools can help them. And not quite not pre sales, because I'm not a salesman, I will never be a salesman. Um, but just this middle ground of how you can apply crazy advanced technology to your system. So it's almost like a, a user adoption and a peer within the business as well. So you're like the one that will help mentor and train the people that are also doing the, the, the tool work, I suppose, at yeah. the moment. And then you're going to the businesses and helping them understand it. So a big piece of user adoption right there by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, I know inside out what all tools can do. And people don't understand the ins and outs of their own data. So I sort of apply what I know we can do to make people think twice about the data and the data structure and the data integrity and bringing it all together into one sort of nice easy to use methodology yeah, and one of the tools that we actually use where i'm just now is the postcode lookup stuff that you do and it's awesome oh, yeah, yeah. it's worldwide it's up to date you can stick in a postcode you can stick in a building name a street name and it just starts pulling back all that validation from address line one and then it'll populate the rest of the address. That's pretty cool. That's really intelligent for me. It's one of the best postcode lookups I've kind of seen. And there's a lot out there, obviously. Depends what you want to get and things like that. But Can you remember the one that we had when <laughs> you were on a service desk and I was the CRM? Yeah. Can you remember that one? So just yeah, and, the, and like the updates hand. came on a CD that you had to then upload to the server. <laughs> so, Matt, we had, let's call it a proprietary address lookup system that was just a database and every three months we would be emailed the updates from is it like the path id updates the postcode address ones we were emailed uh, we were sent them in a cd we had to load the rows into a database and inject it into the database to get the up-to-date information <laughs> it was such a horrible process then the one person who knew how to do it uh, Mr. Isdale uh, then decided that he was going to leave, so nobody knew what was happening. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, that, that was my first uh, forte into any sort of postcode lookup. Never mind what we're now using with Data8. It's one where it's embedded in our CRM. We can do postcode validation through the website or across it as well with the same service. It's pretty awesome. But it's Matt that's plugging it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I'm quite fine if you don't want to do it instead. It's fine by me. <laughs> so you did mention that you're involved now in the community. You're doing a lot of community work. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that you've started to do some tools. I don't know if they've been published fully yet, and you can talk about them. Um. Yeah, so it's a few things. So 
I've this, this I find with this community is that it's it's like a tattoo pain. Like it's a pain that you get when you talk in front of a room. And the first time you do it, it's absolutely terrifying. But then a little part of your brain goes, "That was quite fun. I'll do it again." And then you just sort of have this addictive pain. You just keep talking to people, and you just you throw yourself in the deep end more than you should, and it just it's weirdly addictive. So, um, yeah, I started doing talks at all different um events, and then as a developer, I guess there's you know. The, you'll know more than any more than anyone right now the the latest buzzwords around all this low code no code that sort of stuff um i hope that doesn't become a full thing because then i won't have a job but somebody needs to develop the tools that does the no code yeah listen i've been i've been no code low code for the past 14 years i've been doing dynamics and it's we still need this or some stuff yeah exactly even at that i was on the app in a day course this week from microsoft Dynamite course, awesome course, built some really cool stuff from a static Excel spreadsheet and things that it looks dynamite. You still need to understand code to do it, and that's a no-code yeah. power-up. You still need to understand yeah. the contextual string and data sources and what you're pulling in. So it's weird. I have had this conversation this, t- this couple of times this week about teaching people up in the citizen dev type thing. And I'm, I'm a functional technical consultant solution architect i'm not a dev or anything like that but i'm constantly telling people how to do things and showing them the tools and things like that and i agree there's a slight element where you go do you want to give 100 percent? because if i do then where's my job but i don't think yeah. it's an issue really yeah so so one of the things i've been trying to do with it is so there's there's all sorts of things in place that um this 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 um what's the word this sort of uh, new buzzword causes is that people don't then want to write code so i was doing a lot of my expertise in code to use um and apply to the community so xrm toolbox i mean i would imagine most people know what that is if they don't know what it is then they've been working far too hard for far too long um so i've built a couple of tools for that that i've got out there and published one is published already one i'm still working on right now so the one that's published it's quite cool is um it's all to do with um the data and data validation so it's sort of weekly links to what i do day to day um so it's most basic level so because we are an isv we develop for um all sorts of people we have on-premise instances that's where we do development the joy of on-premise we have a sql database so uh, that's where this data export service comes into play so the data export service is something that i think people rely more and more on um especially with sort of power bi and that sort of stuff so yeah it's there but one of the problems you have is as time goes on people can change metadata behind the scenes so you might drop a value from an option set or you might shrink a field and say that only wants to be 80 characters in length rather than 100 um that stuff never gets enforced so i will still call it crm yes everyone listening will shout at me but it's a habit that i can never get out of um so crm or ce will let you do it and will let you save that and commit it to the database um the second you start using your the data export service it's going to start throwing a wobbler because it can't fit 100 characters into 80 characters yep so that's the sort of problem that you have so the tool i've built is designed to look at a system looks at every bit of data and checks that the data that's stored in a field actually matches what it should do so is it a valid option set value or is the text fit in um, is the number within the upper and lower range of what it should be so that's the sort of thing that just gets you sort of quick hit on your data to say that this is what it should be does it match um so that's the tool that's out there the other tool that's coming out that's quite cool is that they've recently previewed about how you can put custom controls in a business process flow um the only way you can do that is through horrible hacking of xml so it's tried to be a way to go or oh, copy the custom control that's on this field onto this field in the process flow and it looks pretty that's, that's that but it's that's it's not quite finished yet 
So that was the one yesterday, Ian, I was actually telling you about. Yes. So we we were actually having a chat about this yesterday and explaining, kind of going back and forth. I mean, what me and Ian have said quite a few times is we should actually just record our day-to-day conversations because we talk about all this sort of thing day-to-day. Yeah, I was having a whole but conversation I mean, about like edible grids and how it's all single line when you might have a multi-text, a multi-line box. But you can have a custom control where you can on like the right, left-hand side, right-hand side, wherever you want, where it will pop that out and you can then have the multiple lines of text in there so you can click on it and see it that was cool and then this was mark was bringing up at that point the tool that you were working on about putting it in the business process flow which is super cool yeah it's i mean especially for people like me with the no code the low code solutions where we want it to look nice and we know that the tools are there so i don't know if you can give too much away do you is it a case that you load the custom control into the tool and then it applies it or do you still need to enable the custom control within the platform first um so early, the, the third version one is going to be let's assume you've got the control somewhere on your form so it says take the custom control that's applied to my name field and apply it to the name field in the business process flow so there's no sort of configuration it's sort of just copies of the configuration that's already there um version two i intend up being is that the, an entirely bespoke way of configuring custom controls through XRM Toolbox rather than um, through the UI because it's difficult to do through the UI. Um, and with the Power Apps component framework, whatever they're calling the PCF nowadays, when that comes into GA, um, there's going to be a whole market to configure those sorts of stuff as well. So I'm trying to get ahead of the game because people are going to need it. Yeah, 100%. That's what, we, that's what I was thinking about, like that multi-line stuff and editable grids and things like that. It's all about putting it into the, the power app. When you're embedding the power app and having things there, there's so much need for the custom controls in there. You can see it. Yeah. yeah. If, if it saves one person 20 minutes of XML hacking, then to me it was worth building. Always the way if one person learns something or saves time, then it's it's worth it. It's as you say, it's the the tattoo pain or peeling a plaster off. It's it's the satisfaction you get at the end, isn't it? Uh-huh. So, are these your first two tools, or have you tried anything before? Um, no, that's it. I've I've been playing about a little bit, um, but that's the first two that was sort of viable enough to publish out into the real world and let other people see them. So why did you start doing the tools like that? Was there anything particular in the community that made you do it, or did you just find that in your um, work it was just a little bridge and there was a little mini project out with that that you continued? Well, so so indirectly it was from you guys and more so Jonas. Um, Jonas did a session at D365 Saturday Scotland, which was like oh, okay. the XRM tool. Yep. Um, and then when he at the start he put a thing out says, "Oh, who can think of a tool to build?" And I'd been thinking about this one for a while, and then I sort of said, "Oh, why don't we do this one?" And a few people in the room went, oh, that's a good idea. And then ultimately the one I put forward didn't get picked by and we built a different one. But then I thought, actually, people in the room already said that they might use it. So I was, And then off the back of Jonas's talk that showed how relatively easy it was to do, I thought, why not? So you might be the one person from his butterfly effect that has actually taken that session and built something. Yep. Which is a good thing. Like exactly that. It's, it's that whole, at least if one person does it, it's a win. Right, so wait a minute though. Just when you talk about butterfly effects, so if we didn't run that event, you weren't in that session, you didn't build that tool. So I hope our name are on the, is on the credit somewhere. I'm sure it is somewhere. If- There's no cash kickback, Mark. Don't worry about it. Is it not? It doesn't matter, man. It's cool. You can have all <laughs> yeah, the I've not monetized it, don't worry. <laughs> Damn. See, you're definitely not a sales, pre-sales guy then, are you? <laughs> no, this is just him teasing everybody. If you want more, you'll need to pay him. That's it, right? 
So you mentioned a couple of, uh, that you've talked at a few events. What was the first event that you talked to? I actually had it in my head that one of your first ones was Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago, but it seems that you've talked before then. No, I've done a few now. Um, I was doing it way back when Adam Vero used to run the UK chapter. Um, so I gave, he did a clever thing actually. So the, it first came about was that he did a, a, talk, a talk called, what was it called? the XRM factor, which was basically six people got 10 minutes to talk about an XRM tool. And then um, the audience voted on the winner. And then the winner then did a half hour presentation on the tool. So that was a nice intro into it's only 10 minutes, not an hour, because an hour is a long time to stand in front of a room. It's a long time um, to get nervous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So then I, took, so I, did, I did that first talk. I thought I oh, wasn't too bad. And then they've sort of gone on from there. Um, it, with my new role in, in what I do as a business, so I, from 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 day to eight, I generally will do the sort of the live demos. So when we do these Amsterdam's and we go to the US and we do the Summit US show, um, we have to demo our stuff. So I have a room full of people to talk to there. So it's just sort of snowball from that ten minutes into give me the chance to talk and I will talk about it. Um, flow is the new thing I keep talking about. We're not I, we're not even have time to talk about the sort of flow today and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so Flow is probably the next remit of places I'm going to go with talks, I think. Yeah, I enjoyed I was in your session in Amsterdam, really enjoyed it. I yeah, mean, yeah, I yeah, never... just talk about Amsterdam, no. just because I wasn't there. <laughs> Mr. I'm too tight to take time off of work and come and join us. <laughs> mm. no, it, it was definitely was a good session. Um, so... Out all the events that you've been to then so far, what's your favourite one? Not not having to be an event where you were speaking, just in general for atmosphere. What's the best one so far? So you're going to want me to say Scotland, aren't you? Um, oh, of course. So and we'll, one... we'll edit your voice. We'll put what we'll do if you don't say Scotland, I am going to edit Zach Gibson's voice over you, and that's just that's how it's going to be. This is a nice generic scouser. Um, I don't quite have the body of Zach Gibson, so you can pretend that's fine. As long as you Photoshop the body on me as well, then I'll take it. <laughs> Overlay the whole lot, show package. The, you do know that that's now going to be the image for this podcast. Awesome. That's fine. I'll, I'll, that's fine. I'll, I'll make it my Twitter profile for a bit as well. Um, Brilliant. So what I was going to say. So, I mean, we do, we do, we do, do the summits as we we tend to go over as data rate and we will sort of go in the expo hall and get a booth but the joys of that is that because the expo hall is shut when the talks are on i get to attend as an attendee as well um the one they did one in nashville two years ago that was that was solid um i learned a lot in that nashville one two years ago um not that phoenix wasn't any worse the year after but the summits they're big but they're three four day events it's a lot to take in but they are the they're the summit. They're the inaugural bit. They're, they're massive. Um, so yeah, I would say. Natural. And I find with them as, I find with them as well. You tend to learn more at the start of the week because by the end of the week, uh, we know what everyone's like in the dynamics community. They're all party animals, and I think everyone's flagging by the end of the week. And sometimes you just don't take in as much. Yep. No, I agree. It's the they're intense. They're long and they're intense, and you get home and you sleep for days after it. But they're worth it. Good. Good. So uh, what? Um, what are your social media links? Um, so uh, LinkedIn, I'm on um, Matt Beard. You'll find me. I don't particularly use LinkedIn a lot. I try to use it more, but I'm terrible at it. Um, Twitter is probably the go-to. It's Unfortunately, it's Matty Beard, M-A-T-T-Y-B-E-A-R-D. Um, I was a child when I made it. I now can't change it. So there you go. That's me. Anything else 
want to plug while we're here? Um, no. You know, if I'm not, not we have one question from the audience that we have to put to you. Okay, okay. It's always scary, but okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little interesting one. So, why don't you have a beard when your name's Matt Beard? Fair question. And ironically, not the first time I've been asked that. Um, it's it's not through lack of trying. Um, I try. I I have a ba- I have a very small beard. Let's say a few a few millimeters. Um, it's it's patchy. I would love to grow a beard. Being asked that from the bearded CRM guy, that must be a bit of a kick to the face, really. That's unfair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've just taken the name that you were given that you didn't get to choose and ask you a question about it. And it's all because of a certain Joel Lindstrom. It makes me sad. If I could have a beard, I would have a beard to the floor. You're not the only one. I'm going to say that Jim Novak says he can't grow a beard because he just can't. And Gus Gonzalez has been saying that he's going to grow a beard when he comes to visit us next year. And so if he's kill. not got yeah. a beard, yeah, I read that. Oh, I, read, yeah, I read that. I feel like we should have a beard off and like build some sort of power up or flow for, and then the loser has to do a forfeit in Scotland. Okay, so we're not bringing Julian with us then, because he's already won. No, so this this is people that can't grow a beard or don't naturally have a beard and need to who can have the best beard. I like you know, like I don't know if I'm willing to participate in that because it would mean shaving off and starting again. Like that's why I don't do the Movember thing. But I really, but but I feel like I need to get involved. Oh my god! I also think my wife will massively disagree, but she might listen to this podcast. So, oh well. Oh, she might. And in case if she does listen to it, hi. <laughs> hi, Matt's wife. What we could do, yeah. So we could actually use Movember as the sort of cut off. First or thirty first of thirty I can't remember how many days are in October. I don't know. So last day in October, clean shaven, and you then can't shave until you come up to Scotland and then we see what everyone's beard is like. So I I am in then because you've just told me that because I'm in Scotland I don't need to shave. I mean let's be honest, we didn't shave anyway. And to be fair, my missus has told me that if I shave my beard we're we're done. I've been told the same thing. I mean, as my as our face is that bad that we have to hide them behind here. Well, it's worrying because she met me before I had a beard, so I don't I don't really know what to make of it. She shaped you into the man she wants you to be. Oh. <laughs> yes, Jen has indeed. Oh, don't change for your woman. Oh no, sorry, I did, and I'm now not allowed to take my beard off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you go, I don't think any of us. Imagine one of either me or you stand next to each other without a beard. Ah, it would confuse so many people if I had no beard. Yeah. Mark's had a shave. <laughs> no, that's just Ian. And they'd be like, Mark's looking different. He's looking a lot shorter because he's no beard. Oh, that's just Ian with it. What? <laughs> On that note, guys, that's the bite size podcast over and done with. I need to learn how to say bite size. I don't know because I can't say it right. I don't think. Because you're getting your beard in your mouth as you try and talk. Yeah, it's a pain when you try and eat your beard.